It's high time for Father Time. Hello and welcome to episode number two of this first season of the Father Time podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. We also have our host, Scott Kane and Matt McBrayer with us again. And I always appreciate them for helping us with uh, the material that we're covering in this podcast. The name of this particular episode is It's High Time for Fathers. And the idea is it's high time for fathers to step up again. And uh, I think that there was times past when fathers did step up more so than than many of them currently are doing today. And we want to talk about that in the episode for this week. You'll remember, guys, that last month we talked about getting started with a family Bible time uh, each day. And we talked about a survey that I had uh, mentioned and uh, it pointed out that there are a lot of people who want to do this. They want to spend time in God's word and prayer and, and singing uh, every day with their family. But for whatever reason, a lot of people just don't. And uh, hopefully as we get further into this podcast each month, especially in this first season, that you know fathers who are tuning in will be encouraged to do so and uh, will get more and more comfortable, hopefully, with leading their families in this crucial way. Uh, as uh, you know, we, we look at the stakes, the stakes are high and uh, we see what's happening to the morality of, of the world around us. We need to make sure that our, our families are ready to go and uh, enter the battle prepared, uh, spiritually speaking. So, so we have to step up as fathers. So uh, I guess as we begin this morning, guys, do you, do you feel like uh, we're in a position where we can encourage fathers who are not currently stepping up in this way, you feel like, you know, we can, we can encourage them and, and get them to step up and, and lead their families. Hopefully so. Um, and it's really going to depend on the dad and his determination. Um, and studying Paul's letter to Timothy recently, Paul told Timothy to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Now he's talking about the role of a preacher. But it's interesting that the same words that would be a reproof or a, a means of giving conviction to one might be a rebuke to another person, and it might be an exhortation to a third. And so there are some dads that, uh, with, with a lack of determination, that might hear this podcast and feel more rebuked or reproved than encouraged. But that's really going to depend on the dad. Hopefully, hopefully we are in a position to do that. And in a position to say, hey, there was a time when when I needed to hear everything we're saying. Uh, I, I needed this reproof. I needed the rebuke. I needed the encouragement as well. Absolutely. Me me as well. I think, too, like <clears throat> just the reminder of things is good, even if you've been doing it or if you've uh, kind of slumped in doing Bible time, uh, just having a constant reminder. I have to tell myself that as a preacher that, you know, when I first started preaching, I thought, man, I've got to teach these people something that they haven't heard before. Um, the problem with that is that when you're preaching to people who are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s and have been Christians for longer than you've been alive, you're probably not going to teach them anything new. But as Paul told Timothy, you know, he had set these things in order that he could remind the brethren. We need to be reminded of these things too. Yeah, so this should be a good encouragement uh, for people to get going. If you've already gotten going from our last podcast, um, you know, just keep, keep going, you know, keep at it. You know, it's, it's, uh, 
it's a it's a battle of attrition. You just don't give up. Absolutely, you make some great points, and uh, you know I appreciate the idea of some new thing. We need we need to understand that uh, there's nothing new under the sun, and uh, sometimes wanting to find something new can get us into a whole lot of trouble. I know uh, as a preacher, I know exactly what you're talking about. You feel like, well, they already know this. Well, uh, don't underestimate what they what they don't know. And we need to remember to put the brethren into remembrance, uh, as you were saying. So I appreciate you bringing that in, because uh, that's something I think about a lot as, as a preacher. Uh, we don't need to get uh, entangled in some of these new newfangled ideas that are, you know, erroneous. So, uh, you know, making that application for fathers, we need to, uh, you know, look at successful fathers in the scriptures. You know, Noah, for instance, I mean, that's just the perfect example of a successful father in the scriptures. He, he saved his three sons and their wives and his wife, you know, eight souls being saved there on the ark. And um, he was a preacher of righteousness. He, uh, he preached the truth and those out in the world, they didn't respond to his message, but his family was saved. And uh, we need to make sure and have that goal as fathers as well. All right. Well, we uh, want to move into uh, our discussion for this month. But before we do that, as we mentioned last month, uh, we plan on having kind of a devotional thought at the beginning of each episode. And uh, for that, we're going to ask Scott if he would to uh, just share three to five minutes or so of a devotional thought for uh, our encouragement as fathers. As fathers, we want our children to, we want them to grow up faithful to the Lord. But then we look at ourselves or we look at where we are, what we're doing or what we're not doing. And it can seem like a task that's, that's beyond us. There are times when, as Chase mentioned a moment ago, we, we look to examples of fathers in scripture that they can be an encouragement to us who did it right. Sometimes it can be an encouragement to us to look at those that, that didn't do it so rightly at first, but who learned how to do it the right way. There's a man in scripture of whom it is said that they that are of faith are the children of Abraham, Galatians chapter 3. Abraham is called the father of the faithful, according to Galatians 3, 7. Now you step back and you look at who Abraham was and what Abraham did. When we're first introduced to Abraham, he could have been called the father of the faithless. He was an Ur of the Chaldees, and according to what uh, Joshua would later say, Joshua 24, Abraham and his fathers had served other gods. Abraham was a, an idolater, no, no faith in the real God, or so it would seem. He could be called the father of the faithless. He could be called the father of the fickle. God had called him out of Ur of the Chaldees to go to Canaan, but Abraham stopped in Haran. Genesis 11, 31 following, or you take a look, uh, 26 following, or you take a look at Acts chapter 7 and the way that uh, Stephen described Abraham's behavior. Abraham didn't go all the way, he stopped. So he went halfway with God's instruction. And then after his father had died, he went forward into Canaan. So he could be called the father of the faithless. He could be called the father of the fickle. He gets into Canaan. God says, I'm going to give you all this land, but here comes a drought. So Abraham packs up and he runs. He heads down to, to Egypt, where there's not as much famine. He's fearful. He's not trusting God. And when he gets there, he decides to let his wife go into a harem lest they kill him. He's fearful. He's not trusting God. 
you take a look at Abraham's track record. And if you were to tell your wife, this is the kind of husband I'm going to be. And you showed her Abraham in the first chapters of scripture that describe him for us. Hopefully she'd say, no, you're not. Well, he could be called the father of the faithless, father of the fickle, father of the fearful. And in one way, he's the father of the forceful because he tried to force God's promise. He took his wife's advice when she said, I can't get pregnant here. Take Hagar, my, my maid, Genesis 16. And of course, we're familiar with how that uh, resulted in all sorts of family issues and uh, strife. But ultimately, over the course of time, God guided Abraham. He's called the father of the faithful. This is the man that learned how to trust what God had said. Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Here he is still without that child, but God says, I'm going to bless your seed. Abraham trusted God would do it. He didn't know how, but he knew God would. He learned to trust what God had said. He learned to become what God had said. Genesis 17, God would instruct him uh, not only concerning the covenant, but of all that God expected of him. He said, you walk before me and you be perfect. Abraham started to walk a bit better, you might say. He learned to obey what God had said. After that son of promise was born, Isaac, uh, Isaac has come to a level of maturity. God says, you go offer that son, Genesis 22. He did because he trusted that God was able to raise him up, Hebrews 11. Abraham went from being the father of the faithless, father of the fickle, father of the fearful, father of the forceful. He's the father of the faithful. And it's fascinating to think about what God said about Abraham in Genesis 18. He said, I know him. He will command his children and his family after him to do justice and judgment, to keep the way of the Lord. God said, I know him. Abraham wasn't perfect. He didn't have a clean track record, but he had a bright future. For dads today, you might fear, feel the same way. You've been faithless. You've been fickle. You've been, you've been fearful. You can still be the father of faithful children, but it has to start now. It's never too late to start, and it's never too early to start, but it has to start now. And if Abraham, if Abraham could be what God wanted him to be, let there be no doubt, so can dads today. Hopefully that's a word of encouragement for all of us. That is very encouraging. I really appreciate those thoughts. You know, you can think about basically a process of our faith building and growing, you know, just as Abraham's did. And hopefully fathers that are tuning in, you know, you may maybe you're here. But you want to be, you know, here up, up higher and in, in level of your faith, if you will. And, and that's what this is all about. We're just wanting to encourage you to, to build your faith, to build your family's faith, to lead, uh, as we have said. And um, there's, you know, there's so much that goes into this. But I think the key is, you know, getting started saying right now, OK, I'm going to make a commitment to my Lord and to my family, my wife and children that I'm going to lead them. And as we're talking about on this season, hopefully that's going to include in your family, having a time regularly set aside for a family Bible time, family devotionals, whatever you want to call it, spending time in the word and prayer and even singing songs together to encourage your family. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, one time we had a family kind of seminar and, and uh, the speaker came and did an outstanding job and, and one of the uh, good brothers who's kind of in his middle age now, he, uh, he came to me and he said, man, I wish I would have heard that 30 years ago. And, um, you know, the best time to plant a tree 
is 30 years ago. Uh, but the next best time is right now. And so wherever we are in life, we need to get started right now. We need to say, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, it may be too late. Let's just be real and be honest. It may be too late. Uh, if the, an older gentleman is listening to this for your children, but what about your grandchildren? You can influence them and try to help them uh, you grow in, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as well. I really appreciate your thoughts, Scott. Yeah, now I I had a couple of thoughts while you're going through that. I really liked how uh, you you brought that into play. That you know Abraham he doesn't start off well, but you know he ends well, and uh, God knew that that would be the case. Um, I think you know we have those good good examples of uh, people uh, in the scriptures. Uh, we might have those examples outside of the scriptures as well, as far as in our lives, um, and so we need to take that and use that for motivation, but. I think, too, like we might even get motivation from seeing people who have not done well, you know, have not instructed their children well and have not done these things well. And you look at their kids and go, OK, well, I don't want my kids to be like that or I want my kids to be more faithful. I want them to be more knowledgeable. And so use the motivation that you see, you know, and so I think sometimes my motivations change from day to day, depending on how I'm feeling. I might one day be like, hey, I'm going to take this bad example. And I'm just going to be better than this. And then I may on another day go, you know what? That's a, you know, that's a, I'll, I'll just be real personal. My father-in-law is a really good dad. And sometimes I'll look to my father-in-law and go, you know, I want to be like that. I really want to be like that. And um, you, you can you can take all these different motivations and, and just try to try to you know work with it. And, you know, what Chase, you know, what you were saying. Um, you know, it's kind of the same thing they say with investing, you know, you're going to invest time in your children. Well, when's the best time to do that? You know, it was yesterday. It was always yesterday, you know, and so you are always behind. You want to make sure that you're investing at every opportunity. Uh, you do that with your money. You do that, especially with your children. And uh, I think about Philippians 4 and verse 9, you know, they had to learn. And how did they learn? They learned by hearing and seeing uh, what was taught to them. You know, the, uh, Philippians 4, 9 says, the things which you both learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I think those are just um, thoughts that, uh, you know, just came to my mind while you were going. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate that. That uh, that encourages us of the, serious, the seriousness of this matter. We need to step up. If we won't step up, you know, who will? So again, we mentioned last month, sometimes godly mothers, godly wives step up when fathers not, but it's so much better uh, when when a godly father uh, and husband is stepping up and, and hopefully uh, walking alongside a godly mother and wife uh, as well. So let's go ahead and get into our main discussion for this month. It's high time for fathers to truly be fathers again. Now, I say the word again, especially because I, I believe that there was a time when fathers did step up more so than, than many are doing today. Would y'all agree with that? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, you think about in times past when fathers did step up more and uh, maybe they take their, their role more seriously. I'm reminded of maybe cultural examples. Now, um, 
you can say what you want about the Andy Griffiths and, and uh, the, the dad from Father Knows Best and things like that. You go back to the, the 50s and 60s. Um, you know, Andy Griffith was he was there. I'll give him that. You know, he had a lot of uh, a lot of uh, being present, you might say, and plenty of discussions with Opie. Um, and, you know, I love watching that old show, the, the good old shows. Uh, but I also think about times when old Andy, he he had a little bit of a lying problem and and things like that. And, I, you know, I, I think about that show, Father's, Father Knows Best. And, uh, you know, it seemed like in that one, a lot of times, you know, the father was taking the lead, but they were almost poking fun at that in uh, in some of those episodes. And, and there's lots and lots of cultural examples that we could list. And, um, you know, 50s and 60s stuff was mild compared to what we're seeing now. Uh, we don't need to poke fun at the idea of, of male headship in the home. No, and it's been it's been that way for a long time. And if you stop and think about some of the some of the programming that you're describing in terms of entertainment that was going into homes, even in the fifties and sixties, um, the Andy Griffith show was not portraying the model home. It was portraying one where the, the mother wasn't there, right. uh, not because of indiscretion, if I recall correctly, but uh, the mother wasn't there. Um, you think about other, other cherished old shows, Beverly Hillbillies, uh, you know, a, a, a mixed uh, non-conventional family. Uh, or father knows best. Well, dad became a punchline and the dad became a punchline even more through the more recent decades. Uh, Tim, the tool man Taylor was, you know, the one that tried to lead and always messed up. And we have steadily um, allowed our nation to ingest this mindset that has uh, eroded over the course of time at the foundations, what the home ought to be and how many how many come up thinking, you know, my, my model for the dad that I want to be is, is Tim Taylor or is, was, uh, uh, Jeff Foxworthy. There was a time when some would say Bill Cosby, because he was one that in terms of the father on TV seemed to be the model father. And then you look at things that have come into light in recent years and it just shakes it all apart. Um, and if we're looking for modern entertainment or any sort of entertainment to be the model father, then we're going to fall short. We have to look for examples that are going to be biblical or people following the Bible. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think about just kind of expanding on this thought, you know, today, uh, what is the father? look like you know what does he look like in the home uh, on television well you know he's pretty much he is the dumb oaf that you know just is lazy um you know sits on the couch watches sports ask you know uh for his uh, disgruntled wife to get him things and do things for him um, and uh that may or may not happen and um children are disrespectful because he's not leading you know there's all kinds of things that con that that go into the stop process uh but yeah i think that when you look at our society they've pushed the envelope on it to the point that now uh dads are the butt of a joke mm -hmm. you know it is that is exactly what they are uh in society but that's not the way it should be and um you know i think that um, if we go and we look back through the decades of things that we've seen and we've heard um, that probably uh, there are some good and bad 
when you look at all these generations of dads and what they did, um, some expressed a good hard work ethic and they've passed that down. Uh, some have um, given a good sense of patriotism and they've passed that down. Well, it's really time for us to have a good sense of spiritual things and pass that on to our children. Amen. You know, I'm thinking about generational faithfulness, and that's what we need. We need generations of faithfulness uh, in Christian families today. And in so many cases, we're not seeing that. You know, we're seeing children, grandchildren fall away, just completely fall out. Or uh, maybe they'll be there in the pews, but they're not really there. You know, we see that a lot. And so we want to make sure and emphasize, you know, generational faithfulness starts with fathers and mothers as well, uh, stepping up and leading. Uh, in the respective ways that they do, uh, you know, fathers leading and uh, mothers taking the lead of, of the father in the home and, and doing what they do uh, to, to help a godly home as well. Of course, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's, a, you know, a verse that needs to be at the forefront of our minds. But also, I want to look at Colossians 1, verse 10 real quick. Colossians 1, uh, verse 10 talks about how you know, we, we need to train our children to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I think we mentioned briefly last month, Hosea 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We need to make sure that we have the knowledge that, that God would have us to have so that we can impart that knowledge to our children. You can go back to Deuteronomy 6 we talked about last month. Look at the book of Judges. You know, you've got a generation that arose that did not know the Lord. And uh, that was immediately preceding Joshua's generation. Okay, you know, Joshua, wonderful. And, and many of the leaders around him, uh, good and aiding Joshua as leaders. But they didn't pass it on, uh, it seems to be the indication. So we need to make sure and pass on our, uh, you know, training up our young people in, in faithfulness to God. We need to move on. To our next point, and we want to briefly mention some statistics. I know, Scott, you had several statistics uh, that you were wanting to, to kind of point out in this episode regarding, you know, fathers not stepping up. Yeah, when when it comes to the leadership and hitting on the idea of generational faithfulness, connecting it to the statistics, you can't teach what you don't know. And so a father can't teach his children God's word if he's not learning it himself. The greatest teachers are students. And in order to be a teacher of the word, I need to be a student of the word. I can't teach what I don't know, and I can't lead where I won't go. And if I'm not going to be walking the pathway to heaven, then I'm not going to be able to lead my children there. For our family, when our first child was on the way, uh, my wife and I looked at one another and decided we want our we want our children to be better people than than their parents are because we weren't what we needed to be at the time and started making changes. And those changes continued to develop over time uh, to the point that before long, it wasn't a matter of we're going to start being who we ought to be for our children's sake. It was we're going to be who we want to be for our Lord's sake. We we love our Lord. We want our leader children to him. Absolutely. But it was a matter of setting an example. Now, in terms of the example of a father and what some statistics have shown. There was a study done in uh, Switzerland a number of years ago that found that one parent that worships regularly, but when the other one doesn't, two-thirds of the children would attend at least sporadically if dad was faithful in attendance. And this is just talking about attendance. But when it came to attendance, two-thirds of the children would attend at least sporadically if dad was faithful. 
while only one third would attend if mom was faithful. So that makes it look like dad's influence is double. But when you step back and look at more details of those statistics, the disparity is far greater, greater measure. The study found that when both parents worship regularly, 33% of their children would be faithful in attendance. Whereas if only one worshiped regularly and one was irregular, 3% would be faithful in attendance, not just attending sporadically, but faithful in attendance. Now, when the mother is the one that attends regularly, uh, it would be 3%. But when father was the one that attended regularly and mother was irregular, 38% of the children would attend faithfully. 3% compared to 38 so that makes it look like dads have 13 times the amount of influence. But then another detail of the statistic, if one parent worshiped regularly and one never attended at all, 2% of the children would attend faithfully if mom was the one that worshiped regularly, whereas it was 44% of the children that would attend faithfully if father was faithful. So up to 22 times more influence on the part of the father than the mother. And that's not in any way an attempt to disparage the influence of mothers, but it should emphasize the influence that fathers have. We can't lead where we won't go, but wherever we're walking, there's a strong possibility that our children are going to follow that. Matt, what you got? Yeah, you know, on the flip side of things, um, you know, what happens with these these kids that are, you know, from fatherless homes? This is something I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on on this. Uh, what Scott said was great as far as the spiritual uh, mindset is concerned. But, you know, you've got such an uptick on uh, on violence and crime in general, uh, teen uh, promiscuity and pregnancy, all these things like coming from fatherless homes. They did a, uh, a, a study and they found that 85 percent of youth in prison uh, did not have fathers. They came from fatherless homes. 85% of people in prison. Um, that just goes to show you that if you don't have a good role model uh, in front of you to teach you right and wrong and to help form your uh, your morals, and, and of course, we're talking about doing that through the scriptures, you, your guidance is just so, um, it, it's just lacking. You just don't know where to go. You have no rule. You have no standard. And um, and so, yeah, what what Scott said was just great. I love I love those um, statistics that he gave. Yeah, um, there's a couple of uh, statistics that I wanted to include as well. These are from the America First Policy Institute. Not I don't know anything about them, but this is where the statistics came from. Kids are now more likely to grow up with a TV in their bedroom than with both parents in the home. Mm. That's uh, shocking and alarming. Um, obviously, you can see problems there. And then here's another one that really jumped out at me. The average school age boy spends 30 minutes a week in one on one conversation with his father compared to 44 hours a week watching television, playing video games, surfing the Internet, etc. That's uh, that's mind boggling. And that should show us there's a major disconnect between parents in general and especially fathers uh, and their children. Maybe I could add two more to this, just as I'm thinking, um, thinking of what I had looked at. 
um, 90% of runaway children, you know, those that run away from home, 90% of them do not have a father at home. And then also uh, mortality rates of children, uh, fatherless children are more likely to die as children uh, and live an average of four years less over their lifespan. And just the, the importance of the father in the home is just so, so huge. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's really eye opening. Uh, Scott, what are some things that you would say to a dad out there who's wanting to start? Again, we're going back to family Bible time. What would you say to a, a dad out there who's wanting to start something like this with his wife and children, but he doesn't know where to get started? First, the biblical approach would be Deuteronomy 31.6 might be the, the first passage I would know. That's Moses speaking to Joshua, and he says, You be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is he that will go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now, that exhortation is repeated in Joshua 1. It's repeated at the end of First Chronicles when David speaks to Solomon, and it's repeated in Hebrews 13. The Lord has said, I'll never leave thee, nor forsake thee. To a dad, I'd say, be strong and of good courage. Take courage that you're moving forward where you ought to be. Don't be afraid of messing up. Don't be afraid of uh, not being a perfect leader, being afraid of not leading at all. Don't be afraid of uh, mistakes. Be afraid of not trying. Don't be afraid of your children seeing that you don't know something. Be afraid of them seeing that you mistakenly think that you know everything. Don't be afraid of realizing that you need to change something. Studying the Bible with your children and reading across a principle and you realize I've been violating that right in front of their eyes. You'd be afraid of staying stuck in a spiritual rut. Be willing to be the kind of father that shows them what Christianity is in terms of leading them in the uh, the fruits that are worthy of repentance and letting them see you change. Mm -hmm. One of my one of my one of my sons made the observation as we've grown and studied and delved into the proverbs and delved into the nature and the, really the personality of God uh, that he had seen those changes in terms of just personality within the family. And for me, it was sobering. Uh, one, encouraging to know that they, that they see the changes, but also it was sobering to know the, uh, the less than perfect examples that had been said. But unless a dad commits himself to this, then those less than perfect examples are all that they're ever going to see. Another approach to this would be this way. If the house is on fire, does a dad sit there with the family and say, well, I'm not sure which way to go. Let's just sit here. Or does he say, let's get up and go. This house is on fire. We're getting out. We're going to take a route. Um, this, this world's on fire. Yeah. Th this life is on fire. And we've got to lead them to safety. And it's not a matter of always knowing the next step. It's a matter of taking this one. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you mentioning that. You know, um, somebody that's in the military and, and they're in a firefight or what have you, sometimes you got you to gotta just make a decision. You can't just sit still. If you're a sitting duck, 
you know, you're going to be in trouble. And the same could be said about a family. It, you know, spiritually speaking, if we're sitting ducks, that is, we're just going along and, and not, you know, really doing anything. We, we come and go. We don't see one another. We don't spend time around the, the dinner table together. We don't spend time in God's word together. Uh, a lot of families in the church think, OK, well, I've got my kids in Sunday school. I'm good to go. No, that's that's an aid. That is something that is a supplement to what you're supposed to be doing in the home. And it starts with us as fathers. And so really appreciate you uh, mentioning all of that. Um, you know, sometimes maybe the hardest part is breaking the ice and just getting started. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we're talking about. Getting started, break the ice. I know we've mentioned uh, before that, you know, there might be some awkwardness at first. But again, start small uh, if that's what it takes. Uh, get in the, get in a habit. Get in a routine. And, you know, it takes two or three weeks to make a habit, you know, a routine. Uh, but but do that. Start right now. Say, OK, I'm going to do this. Let us encourage you, you know, through through listening to this podcast. And, um, you know, all of us on this podcast have been there. We all had the starting point and we are now uh, where where we are now compared to where we were yesterday. And hopefully we're we're making improvements We're we're um, you know, we're further along than where we were in the past. And, and that can be you as well uh, as a father. So we want to encourage you. And Chase, you've, you mentioned something in a previous conversation that's worth reiterating here. If your children are three, four, five years old or older, um, then once you get this started and you really give yourself to it, they're going to hold you to it. And there are going to be those occasions where it's been a rush day. There's been a time crunch. There's, there's been an emergency and the children are going to say, Daddy, are we doing Proverbs tonight? Daddy, when are we doing Bible time? And to look at them and say, no, we're not going to study God's Word tonight. It's just something you can't bring yourself to do. They look forward to it. It becomes a part of who they are, and it will it, it will shape their identity to the point that they expect it, which causes it to reshape our identities to the point that we expect it of ourselves. So it's there's a lot of reciprocal growth that takes place with this. And as you get started, uh, they will help you keep going. Yeah, they'll, they'll keep us accountable, which is good. That's right. I know I need it, and we all do. Um, Matt, let's let's wrap it up uh, with uh, this thought for this episode. And that is, you know, we've already kind of covered some of this, but just to reiterate, are there any roadblocks that may uh, get in the way of a father trying to establish this father, this uh, family Bible time routine? I think. Um... You know, of course, we've covered some of this, as you already mentioned, but um, uh, just maybe to add something new is to have a little bit of self-discipline. Um, you know, some some of us uh, uh, will get to a point where we're tired in the day or maybe we have filled our day full of other things. And then it comes down and maybe we, you know, not made time for it and we get in late and all of a sudden it's like 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night or something. And you're like, I've got, I've got to get my kids to bed. I've got to go to bed. Um, and so you don't have an established routine. And so then uh, what goes, well, Bible time is going to go, you know. Um, and so we've got to have a good routine. Um, we've got to be studying on our own. We've got, we've got to make sure that really spiritual things are more important than anything else. And I get some flack about this. It makes a whole lot more sense, I know, for uh, my family than it does for everybody else's family. But some of my 
um, you know, acquaintances and when I'm preaching, you know, people are like, well, um, you know, do your kids play sports? And I've told my kids, you're not playing sports. Um, I love football. I love sports. I love, you know, seeing these things. I, I'd love for my kids to be involved. The fact of the matter is it takes up too much time. And I've got five kids and that is a whole lot of soccer and all that kind of stuff. So we're just not doing it. We're going to spend time. We're going to make that sacrifice to do something else. And we're going to spend time as a family and we need to be spending more time. Uh, all of us uh, need to be spending more time uh, doing stuff like Bible time and, and giving some good spiritual instruction. So a good routine is going to help in that. And then also just prioritizing. Yep, that's the key. We got to prioritize this, and so you know, make the decision now, my fathers that are tuning into this. Prioritize. Okay, I'm going to spend time in God's Word, in prayer, and even you know, singing. And you know, maybe some some are thinking, well, that's the awkward part. Well, maybe at first, but uh, you know, we love it. We love to sing songs with our children, especially a lot of you know, the more so kid songs. But as they grow older, you know, we'll pick up a songbook and uh, sing from there as well. I appreciate everybody's thoughts today on this episode of Father Time. Next month, we are going to uh, look at one of the key words of the podcast, and that is the word time. So we're going to talk about how, you know, Father, it takes time uh, to really step up in the ways that we're talking about in this podcast. Appreciate you, Scott. Appreciate you, Matt. And uh, Lord willing, yes, sir. Lord willing, uh, as the listener, tune in next month for another episode of the Father Time Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.